welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking about should you buy that holiday home? So we've been all been having a lovely holiday. We've been jetting around New Zealand, driving on those wonderful road trips. And perhaps we've found a nice little town that we like the look of. And we're, we're sitting on the beach thinking, gosh, it'd be great to come back here every year. Maybe we should get a holiday home here. Yeah, this is a very common question that I get from investors in any January of a year because people are uh, thinking about it front of mind. They've had such a great time away. They think, why don't we do this every year? So let's lock in a new investment in a holiday home. And of course, if you've got a pre-approval for 500k, 600k, you might think, well, instead of doing an investment property, maybe we should be doing this. Now, look, we're not here to tell you that you should always only buy investment properties and never do holiday homes, but let's go through and just look at the impact, first of all, on your investment properties and talk about, well, when is the case that you should buy a holiday home or when it's okay to buy a holiday home and when it's not? First question I'd ask you, Andrew, is, is a holiday home an investment. So generally speaking, the answer is no. And the reason for that is because remember we define investments as income generating assets. And often I see investors kind of fool themselves like they do when they're buying an investment for the kids to rent or an investment for their friends to rent. It's one of those things that we think, okay, well, we're going to get some income so it kind of counts and it'll go up in value so it kind of counts. Look, you need to treat a holiday home as an extension of your own home because that's what it is. Generally speaking, you might generate some income from it because you've got a border in your own home or or you might have some friends and family rent your holiday home every now and then or you might put it on book a batch or you might Airbnb it. But generally speaking, it's not going to be a true investment in the raw sense of the word because it's not being bought as a business purpose per se. And saying to Ed off ear, what I see is most often like 80% of the time if people are doing casual letting of their holiday home they might get enough money to cover their rates and their insurance. That's generally what I would see is pretty normal. Now you might buy a property in a main centre and have it as an Airbnb, let's say Queenstown, let's pretend COVID hadn't happened and you might actually generate a bit of a positive income. Often though by the time you factor in those extra things like GST that can be triggered with owning an Airbnb and the extra wear and tear and replacement of furniture and those kind of things, it's probably about the same as a rental property. Now what's really interesting is the LVR on a holiday home is 80% which means that if you want a holiday home, it's the same as your own owner-occupied place. So you need a 20% deposit, you can borrow 80% of the money. But of course, if you're going to the bank with this as a business proposition, you're going to buy this as an investment, then the LVR would be 70% if you're trying to convince them that you're going to use Airbnb as the means in order to be able to pay that mortgage down. And in a moment, we'll get into how the banks look at Airbnb income. But the main thing that I've been having in my head is, well, what's the impact on your investment portfolio if you invest in a holiday home? Because if you go for a straight down the line holiday home, a beach house somewhere, that's not generating an income, whereas your investment properties are. And so what that means is it has quite an impact on your ability to purchase more investment properties. It weighs down on your income because, of course, when you're purchasing an investment property, you've got a tenant in there covering your mortgage in the bank size. When you've got a holiday home, you don't in that case. And so having a holiday home has a bigger impact on your uncommitted monthly income because you're having to make those mortgage payments and you don't have a tenant in there. So let's say you've got a 500k investment property. You've got a test interest rate of 5.8% and you've got a a gross yield of 5.2%. 
Now, what that means is that property, that standard investment property that we'd look at, has negative uncommitted monthly income of about 16 grand. So when the banks run their tests over that property, decreasing the rent, putting a higher interest rate in there, they're saying you have to top this up by 16k a year. Now, of course, you're not actually doing that in real life. That's in the worst case bank tested scenario on a 30 year term. But if you take that tenant out there and you go ahead and buy a 500k holiday home at 5.8%, we don't count any rent on there in that case, then it's going to be negative 35.5k again in the bank size. Now you would be making some mortgage payments, it would probably be principal and interest on there, but it's not actually going to be 35k a year, it'd be quite significantly less than that. Correct. And I guess this will become even more attractive with interest rates being so low at the moment. So if someone goes and buys a half million dollar holiday home and they're paying two and a half percent interest rate and interest only, then payments are relatively low. And so people think, well, I can afford that. And if I just rent it out for a couple of weeks every month or something like that, or a week a month, then I can recoup some of that cost. From the bank's eyes, because there's not that steady guaranteed source of income, generally speaking, they're not going to consider any of that income when looking at your serviceability. And that's where it can become a real challenge for you. And again, of course, because the banks are working off a servicing test rate much higher, plus our principal and interest term, even if you're interest only. So what's going out versus what the bank is considering could go out are two very, very different things. Yes, and we'll get more into the Airbnb side in a moment. So the difference between the two is that if you go for the holiday home in this scenario, you've got an extra 19 and a half grand worth of uncommitted monthly income that you've got to put towards that holiday home when the bank is assessing that scenario. Now, if you're able to afford that, we've got to look at, well, what else could you do with that? So if you had that massive amount of uncommitted monthly income in the bank size, what could you do? And actually, you'd be able to go and buy another investment property with about 610k. So the option between these two is do you go and buy two investment properties collectively worth about 1.1 mil or do you buy one holiday home worth 500k if you had that amount of uncommitted monthly income and that would be quite a realistic scenario when you're thinking about this so you might say well do I buy two investment properties that are both earning rent or do I buy one holiday home that's not earning an income and of course making mortgage repayments on that whereas the two investment properties would be cash flow neutral more than likely and again we're not saying don't go buy a holiday home because you've got to do what's right for you. You've got to do what makes you happy. And actually, I was having this conversation with one of my investors only a few days ago over the break. And theirs was a little bit different. They were actually um, looking at buying a second home because they're going to be working in different places in the new year. So essentially, for them, having a second home and not having to rent something was going to be what makes them happy. Or if buying a holiday home in Hamner Springs or something like that is going to make you happy, then do it. Because the last thing you want to do is get to your deathbed and think, I wish I'd never listened to bloody Andrew and Ed on that Property Academy podcast. I wish I bought that holiday home. If that's what makes you happy, then do it. But you just got to understand the financial impact of making these decisions. And for me, when I started investing, I was really passionate about Hamner Springs, which is why I mentioned it, and was going to buy something there so that I could go down and use it. And the other place I was really passionate about was Queenstown. And I basically did everything I possibly could to convince myself that these two places were going to be good investments and that I could recoup my money or at least make it work. And then I had this come to Jesus moment where I was like, hang on a minute, I really am just fooling myself with the numbers here. And as it happened, I never bought in either of those areas. And yes, 
absolutely I could have made money in both of those markets, but I made more money out of properties that were true investments in main centres. And then that's afforded me, I guess, the luxury now of, well, I go to Queenstown this afternoon, I'll go and stay at a really nice hotel. And so I separated those two things in my mind. And it's funny because looking back now, even though I was going to Hamner Springs all the time back then, I haven't been there in five years. Queenstown, I go there quite regularly, but I change hotels and I try out different places and I try out different spots there. I actually like that. Now, bear in mind, Andrew Nichol doesn't have kids. He's got to lug around with him with all their toys and stuff like that. So I can appreciate that if you've got a place where you can put all your toys and all your clothes and all that kind of stuff in a particular room and then know that you don't have to pack, that's fine. But you know what? Even if I did have kids, I think I'd just spend the other half an hour. I see, this shows how little I know about kids. Half an hour packing the kids so that I could make more money. Every mum listening to the show is currently rolling their (laughs) eyes at you. Well, I suppose that is the alternative as well, which is that if you really like Hamner or Queensland, whatever it happens to be, the alternative is to spend a week or two weeks there each year in an Airbnb and choosing a different one so that you're able to chop and change and move around and decide that, hey, maybe you don't want to go to Queensland this year, you want to go somewhere else. And so you can take the same money that you'd spend on the rates and the insurance and the maintenance upkeeping that property and spend it on going away somewhere and moving into an Airbnb. And then it's somebody else's job to worry about cleaning and maintaining that property. Now, what I want to do is obviously we went one way and said, well, how many investment properties could you get for your one holiday home? I now want to do the reverse of that and say, let's say the bank is currently giving you a 500k approval for an investment property. And you might be thinking, well, does that mean that I can just go and buy a 500k batch? Not necessarily, because again, let's take that uncommitted monthly income. So it took 16k of UMI in order to be able to get that 500k investment property. But of course, that's with your tenant in there. That's with them paying you rent. So if you took that same 16k of UMI and bought a place with no rent, so buying that holiday home, you'd only be able to purchase up to about 226k, so 55% less than the value of that investment property. So just because you've got a, a really nice approval that you can go buy an investment property with doesn't necessarily mean that you're able to go and buy a batch or a holiday home at the same amount. That's right. And the thing around some of those incomes like Airbnb, the bank, unless it's actually proven over a longer period of time, generally speaking, they're not actually going to take that into account. Having said that, if you've got a vacant property when you go to apply for a loan for whatever it is, the bank will accept a rental appraisal. But I am noticing a bit more stringent criteria from the banks if, for example, a property has been vacant for a long period of time. So I have such prop- one such property. So I've got a property that I tout to friends whenever they need it and Ed's actually going over there this afternoon. And so that sits there and whilst it could achieve a $500 a week rental, the bank has accepted that as being an income that I could generate if I needed that to come in. Now, when I was updating some approval recently, they said, actually, we're going to take that out now because you've in the five years you've owned it, you've never actually rented it out. So that's fair enough because I haven't generated an income from it. But if you're really, really tight on services, you might find that that might become more normal as banks get a bit more strict this year. Now, the question remains, knowing all of this and the potential impact on my investment property, what should I do? Should I do it or should should I not? And that's just something that you're going to have to make a call on and decide, do you want to spend that money on 
consumer products, so products for yourself, or on investment products. And there's not going to be a right answer for everybody, but it depends where you are in your age and stage. So if you're at the stage where you're still trying to build up wealth because you're earlier in your journey, then that's when you might want to say, I'm going to forgo the holiday home for now. I'm going to invest in properties. If you're at that later stage, if you've got some wealth and you're thinking, hey, I'm going to enjoy it now, that's cool too. That's probably the point where we say, maybe I will go for that holiday home. And if your plan, I guess knowing what your plan is this year, if your plan is to buy four properties over the next three years, and you know that you can do that and own a holiday home, then by all means, go and do it. But if you are going to have to sacrifice your investment plan, then you're going to make a sacrifice later on because of your choice to buy a holiday home now. So that's fine. You've just got to know what the impact is. Lauren often makes fun of me and quotes me on saying, you either make a sacrifice now or you make a sacrifice later. And you just have to decide, am I going to invest now so I can have a freehold house and holiday home and some investments at retirement? Or do I want that stuff now and then I'll sacrifice by working a little bit longer? Up to you. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. And of course, if you want to learn more about property investment, why not check out the Property Academy video course? This is a 19 lesson course where Andrew sits down, shares the screen with you and walks you through those fundamentals of property investment. These have been professionally recorded and it's free. You don't even have to put your email address in. I'm going to pop a link to that in the show notes or just go to opuspartners.co.nz. You'll find it on there. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. I'm going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. Hold up. 